Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. I am here with a dear friend. She has become a dear friend over the last couple of years. Uh, she is a powerhouse in the industry that she serves. Officially, she is the Chief Operating Officer of ePowered Benefits. She has also recently taken the helm uh, of starting a mentorship and leadership program called Empowered. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, she spent a lot of time in the world of employee benefits on the carrier side. Now, on the, I'm going to say on the advocate side for the rest of the world. Uh, so I am super excited to have Emma Fox with me here today. Emma, hello. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm I'm really really good, and I I'm really grateful to be on this podcast. I feel like you when you're on Ryan Miller's podcast, you've made it. So I'm like I've told quite a few people about this. Just so it, you know, if only that was the case. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a lot of credit to like the the confidence that I have in my life uh, comes from a few people. And one of those people is Emma, because every time that I see you or talk to you, you're always super kind and encouraging and gracious with me. So thank you for continuing to make me feel good about myself. <laughs> you're very welcome. That's, my, that's what I'm here for. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I didn't think about this till right now, but I don't remember how we met for the very first time other than maybe just a random LinkedIn connection, right? Um, I, I mean, I totally remember. No, you don't. I, I, yeah, I do. I think we connected on LinkedIn for sure. And then I followed your work for a while. And if you recall, we were at, I want to say it was a hint summit oh, yeah. in San Francisco. Yes. And yeah. yeah, and I forced you to take a photo with me. It was very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> That I, I love that. I love that so much. Okay, so um, something interesting that I have observed, and I would love to get your take. And we're gonna we're gonna take this in a million different directions. Um, but so um, from a distance, as I have gotten to know you, um, you are pretty chill, um, fairly timid in a lot of ways. Um, and so that could be taken as you just kind of are a very uh, quiet person kind of to yourself, kind of, you know, uh, just held back. I also have observed a, a complete other side of you. And, and, and a lot of times this people would like, um, uh, attach this to like somebody's passion for something. Um, and yet um, I have seen you, particularly in a relationship, just be so 100% all in, like out there um, in ways that many people would say, like, that can't be the same person because one is so like chill and like just reserved and the other one is so out there in things that like other people maybe wouldn't share. So my question to that observation is, where do you see yourself on that spectrum of like reserved, kind of held back, mellow, chill, or nope, when I'm in, I'm all in? You know, I think it's about heart. I, 
I tend to go all in when it's something that really weighs on my heart or is really impactful for me. And I, you're right. I don't always speak just for the sake of speaking. I'm really hesitant to speak up about something that I could be wrong about, that I could offend someone or I could not be taking in another perspective. So I always want to be really cognizant of the things that I do and I say being more quality driven than quantity driven. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's, it's dependent on my level of passion on the topic at hand. And you know that I have certain topics I'm very passionate about (laughs) and other things where I'm just like, it can be what it can be. And it's not always worth the energy to, to stick up for it, you know? So, so one of the things you said in there was uh, that uh, you're afraid uh, that you could be wrong. So how, how much of that plays into, cause I think that that, that is um, a big fear that we all have is like, I don't, I don't want to be looked at as stupid or as wrong or, uh, you know, ignorant, whatever. So when, when you say that, does that come from a place of afraid of what other people will see you as, or no, because you just genuinely do not want to speak out against something that you don't know enough about? I think it's a little both. I think I've lived a a big portion of my life being afraid of what other people thought of me for a really long period of time. And so I have a little bit of that legacy going on, but I also am a big data geek. So it's really important to me that if I'm going to say something, especially around this industry or especially when it comes to healthcare, it's really important to me that I've taken enough time to observe and absorb it before I go shooting my mouth off about it. So it's kind of, it's a little of both. Uh, and, and, okay, and so you said that, you know, that's kind of been something that's long standing for you. And I know mm-hmm. somehow I'm gonna have to find a way to like share a picture of this because nobody will ever <laughs> believe it. But like you were, I don't know how other way to say it, but like you were significantly larger than you are right now. Like you've lost a lot of weight. I mean, that was before I knew you and which was crazy because when you told me, oh yeah, I used to be, I don't know what you said, like a hundred pounds more or something like that than you were, some crazy number. I'm like, yeah, right. And so, um, so was that part of that, like just kind of, poor perception of yourself, afraid of what other people think caused you to get into that kind of way? Or was it more of like when you grew out the other side, you got healthy, you got yourself, I don't know, together is the right word, that you were then able to um, uh, be more focused on what you really cared and were passionate about and you didn't care so much about what other people thought in the negative? You know, it's an interesting question and it gets asked of me a couple of different ways, but you're right. I did lose a lot of weight. So I I have been obese most of my life. I started getting really heavy when I was a kid, you know, late teens and um, just developing caused like all kinds of weird things to happen to my body. And then I just started gaining weight, which I, I know now at this point in my life was a direct result of my environment, you know, what I grew up in or whatever. And so I, I okay, did lose 145 pounds Wait, and freeze. I've kept it off so far, but it's it, my life now. And the- hold on, I, I want to catch you there. And I, I think that we had a technical delay, but I want to, I want to catch what you said there, because I think this is super important for people to hear. So, and, and you're going to hear me interrupt you a lot on this because I just okay. catch these things. So you said that you beginning to 
get obese was the product of the environment that you were in. So explain that a little bit. Like what was that environment that lent towards that? Well, I'm assuming you want me to get really personal. I, you know, I'm the, I'm the product of, of, of poverty. My, my parents were teenagers when I was born. I was certainly not planned or anticipated or wanted. And I grew up in a very, very, um, you know, council in where I'm from. I'm originally from England. I've been in the States for a long time, but I grew up in council housing, in uh, council developments, you know, and so it was a, I used to think it was because my grandma would put these meals in front of me that were just like piled high and you had to eat everything before you left the table kind of thing. You know, you remember those days where your grandma was like, you're not leaving until you eat everything on your plate. Yeah. All the damn peas. <laughs> yes. And then you develop these habits. But the truth is it wasn't until I started losing weight that I developed uh, some sense of self-worth and it, hmm. it came to me over a longer, much longer period of time. Cause to be honest, when I was fat, which is what I was, I didn't have a lot of self-worth, partly because I didn't give it to myself, but partly because I didn't receive it from a lot of other people. Mm. So it's really been a, a stark difference in my life now. And the way I'm regarded now as a thin person is very different. Mm. But I also recognize that that was partially self-inflicted too, because the way that I present myself is now different. And the way that I speak about myself and regard myself is different which has an impact on how people treat me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I, th I think that like, I, I hate, I, I will absolutely say I hate that people assign different worth and value to somebody based upon the way they look or what they produce or like, I, I literally despise that with every bone in my body. And, and I know you do too. Like I, I, I know I hear just the way you talk about, so many other things. So we can agree there. Um, where, but what I also think is really important and what I respect about what you said and two about knowing, you know, other things about you, let's just say, is that you also knew that the way then that you, that other people were perceiving you then caused you to behave in a certain way that then I don't want to say compounded the problem because like that's their problem, but like it made you have a problem too. Right. And so mm -hmm. because of the way society kind of imposed value on you, worth on you, your image, then you started treating yourself. Well, like if I'm not worth a lot, then I might as well not care about what I do or who I am. And so then I can just, you know, make the problem 10 times worse. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, I'm not going to say that it's all a societal problem that I, it was out of my control because it wasn't, but it certainly influenced the way that I presented myself. So for example, I've been in this industry for 15, I think it's been 15 years now. I, I've evolved over time. I, my skill set has evolved, but I've not really changed that much in terms of intellect or what I'm capable of. Although in my prior life, we'll call it, I wouldn't have been first in line for a promotion. I wouldn't have been the first person that someone would have thought to come to for leadership or advice, even though I've been doing it for a long time. So there is a direct correlation between how you appear physically and how you're accepted. And I agree with you. It's, it, it's bothersome and it's unfair, but it happens all the time. 
And the flip side of that is that I allowed it. And there are many times that I didn't speak up or I didn't put myself forward because I assumed that another person was just not going to accept me. So there's some responsibility on my end for that too. So, uh, and, and we're going to jump back into the story a bit, but um, so how do you now um, find ways, because I don't think this is just a female issue, like this, this is just an issue, but like how do you find ways to communicate to people now that you need to take care of yourself, you need to be put together, you should look your best, you should come with your best, um, because that, that, that's what is expected of you, uh, and yet... Um, it's okay to not be those things either. You know, the reason that I love you and the work that you do so much is because you use my favorite word, which is authenticity. And it took me a really long time to figure out that my authenticity was widely accepted. And what I generally tell people is the easiest thing in the world is just do for you what you would do for others. And that's a little bit of a spin on a classic, right? But I commit to people all the time. I commit to meetings. I commit to early enrollment meetings. I commit to my children. I commit to whatever, making dinner. When was the last time that I committed something to myself and then followed through? How many times have I canceled on myself because I'm so far down the priority list when it comes to the rest of the stuff that I have to do? So I just tell people, I have this group of women, uh, some guys too, that I talk to over the weekend and just check in with them. And I always ask them, what have you done for yourself this week? What have you not canceled on yourself? And that's kind of where that came from. That's how my weight loss started was I'm going to commit. I'm going to put this meeting, this gym meeting on my calendar, and I'm going to show up for myself like I show up for everybody else all day long, every day. Mm-hmm. And that takes some practice because we are so so programmed to put ourselves at the bottom of the list right like we just do well and it it it, it's so simple and yet it's so crazy to me how i i actually i should probably say it this way it's actually really hard to prioritize ourselves first because we don't want to be selfish we don't want to be Mm -hmm. greedy we want to care for others we want to love others so whether you're in a you know romantic relationship or you're a parent or you are a community member you're at work like you want to be there for other people and like we we say to ourselves in a very good way like how dare i put myself before somebody that needs me and then you couple that with this fact that like it feels good to be needed and it feels good to be valued and wanted. And so then we like throw ourselves all into that. So it's like, it's all with such great intention and and desire. And yet we sacrifice ourselves and we deplete ourselves so far that then we aren't worth a damn thing to anybody else. You know? Yep. You, you just nailed it right there. My argument to everybody, especially the selfish argument comes up all the time. I can't be that selfish. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a whatever. But how good of a mom and a wife and a whatever can you be if you're really not taking care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Like how many years of my life am I robbing my children of because I'm not taking care of myself when it matters? And we don't think about those things on the day to day because we have so much other stuff going on. But the truth is I'm a better mother. I'm a more active person. I'm a better partner because I have some self-worth and I can pass that along that's not selfish. If anything, that feels pretty selfless if it still serves other people. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the the lesson there, you know, as as people are listening to this, it it is, it's really about having the right perspective on what it means to be selfish versus selfless. 
And I think that there is some work that, that we need to do there. Okay, so mm-hmm. you, you're growing up, um, you, you know, you're definitely having challenge with, you know, just your own worth, your own value. Uh, you grow all the way up and you finally get to this moment where you're like, okay, enough is enough. Like, I, I, I'm not going to see myself as, uh, I'm just going to say the extreme of worthless anymore. Maybe you didn't say it to that degree, but like, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm going to take some responsibility here. So was there some like, moment, an epiphany? Was there some catalyst that really was like, okay, now's the time? Yeah, it was a doctor actually. And I'll be honest, I don't even remember his name, but he was a jerk. (laughs) And I, you know, I left his office feeling like, wow, what an ass. But it, it had been, you know, I had heart palpitations. I had anxiety. I had all these symptoms that I kept going to doctors to try to fix me. Right. And and, you know, I'd go to the health systems and they'd give me a heart rate monitor for 24 hours or they, you know, we could give you a, a pill for your high cholesterol, but you're going to be on it forever kind of thing. And I finally went to a doctor because, you know, none of those answers suited me or figured out the problem. And I finally went to a doctor who I didn't know. And he just sat down and he goes, you need to lose weight. You are too heavy. You're, I think he used the word morbidly obese. <laughs> and at the time, I, I remember walking out of his office thinking like, what? a jerk. Yeah. F you. (laughs) Right. I was like, how dare you tell me the truth in such a stark manner? But, but he was absolutely right. And I went back to my family doctor and I was like, can you believe this guy? And she was like, yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. You know, he probably said it in a way that struck you, but Mm. you know, she ended up saying to me, she, she said, I want you to just count calories for 30 days. That's it. And if, if after 30 days you feel it's too hard or, you know, it's not effective, then just go back to your regular lifestyle. But I want you to commit for 30 days. And, and I, and I, I committed that to her and I'm, I am very much of the cloth. Like if you say you're going to do something, you got to really do it, even if you don't want to. So I did, I did it for 30 days and, you know, surprise, surprise, Ryan, um, calories in calories out <laughs> It <laughs> works. magical equation. And in the first 30 days I lost like 15 pounds and it was the most significant weight loss I'd ever had at that point in my life. And I really quickly learned how to make that number of calories last all day, you know, and once I was there, once I got rolling, it almost became like me versus me from last week, me versus me from last week. And I'm a little bit competitive. So I just kept going and going. And honestly, it became easy. It became so routine and so habitual that it was just, and then once you see your cholesterol going, you know, back to normal and I, my anxiety went away. I, I had body acne that went away. And it's like, it's like this magical thing where you become healthy and you're healthier. It's mm. like, it's magic. It's, it's magic science. <laughs> so something else that you said that caught me was, you know, the way that that doctor said to you what he said could have been said in a more considerate manner. Um, we had plenty of conversation offline about this earlier, right? Like it, it is really important to think about the way we say the things we do. But I think that one problem we have in society, and we're going to get to this in a few minutes when we start talking about your job and what you do today. But um, uh, I think one of the big problems we have in society is we have given permission for people to be sick, right? We, um, the, the, and I take a ton of shit for this every time I say it. So here goes again, people. Like every time we say that you should be happy in your own skin, regardless of what you look like, like 
I believe that we, that, that is like telling a infant child that it's okay to run out in the middle of the freeway if they feel like they can make it, right? Like, it's just, it's not the truth. Like, yes, be happy with who you are. Yes, you know, find joy in your day, but you should never be happy about being obese. Like, and that's only one thing, right? Like for the person that's a total a-hole all the time and people are like, oh, that's just the way that they are. It's like, no, someone needs to tell you that you are an asshole and you need to change. And so I think that our society is due for a good dose of reality of like, yo, you got to get it together because you're killing yourself or you're ruining yourself. So I don't like that. Maybe he said it as nasty as he did, but I appreciate that he said it. You're totally, but you're totally right. And the truth is when I was obese, I was uncomfortable every minute of every mm -hmm. day. You know, me and my partner talk about this because he was heavy too. And I can't tell you how many times in a day when I would be sitting, I would adjust my sweater just, just so it wasn't like sticking to, you know, trying all these little tricks and, and tips and, Lord forbid that summer came and I just was sweating all the time. And I, it was such, it was so much discomfort that, I mean, just that alone. And, and it, it was a source of embarrassment for me. And I felt like I didn't fit in. And again, there's some societal pressure there. And I don't think everybody needs to do what I did and lose 145 pounds or go into bodybuilding or anything like that. But we should be prioritizing ourselves enough that we feel amazing. And I just don't feel like I, at least from my perspective, when I was obese, I did not feel very amazing. Yeah. 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 And, and, and again, like we're talking about weight because that was your challenge in this one area, but this applies to every bit of uh, poor health that we have, whether it's mental health, if it's physical, um, emotional, like, we need to focus more on improving that because as we do, everything else just gets so much better around us. So I think that that's super duper important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. you, um, you spent some time, I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, as you, as you step into healthcare, um, because we've been talking about you being on the receiving side of it for a period of time. So what was your initial desire to jump into healthcare? It was by accident. Um, That's I... what everybody says, by the way, you know that, right? Like nobody like, intends. There's like one or two people. I, there's one or two people that's like, no, I have a degree in this. I'm like, uh, what? A what? What? Um, no, it was, it was, you know, it was my first temporary job. I was, I was green, green. And, um, you know, back then I still had my accents. So I think I was charming enough to get this temporary job for, uh, it was an insurance carrier. I had no idea what they did, you know, what I was doing, but, um, I got put into their, um, life insurance claims department and that, that's how it started. And I just, you know, uh, kind of went up and up pretty quickly, but it, it was totally by accident, and I spent the majority of my career being on the carrier side of the business, not the consultant side. Okay, so you you start on the carrier side, so you're basically just working for the man, um, and little by little, or at some point, you you feel this pull to the other side, and so what was that? When did that happen, by the way? So it probably happened when I was at my, my last carrier. I worked for a regional carrier. Um, it, it just became more and more difficult to have meetings that just, they sucked. They were, you know, I was just giving bad news all the time. 
um, always defending something. And that's kind of the nature of account management. But at some point, the the inability to get things done because of so much restriction became really, really frustrating. And I actually moved from a carrier position to a TPA. And that was what opened me up because then, then I was just working on all self-funded business. Um, a lot of it was open network, which I had already done a little bit on the carrier side. And as soon as I made that move, there was just this massive sense of relief. Like now I had some movement. Now I had an opinion that was actually worth something. Because when you work for a carrier, frankly, in a, in a sales and account executive position, you, you have one job and one job only. And that's to sell and retain because it's yeah. all money. And um, your opinion doesn't go very far if it's not a money maker. And when I moved into the TPA space, um, my voice was a little bit louder and I, my contribution was, was largely undertaken. Mm. So that, that's what really started it. But I mean, I had to, I took a massive pay cut to go from a carrier to a TPA. You know, at that point in my life, it finally became more important to me to do something of value instead of receive value back. So mm -hmm. that was pretty pivotal point in my life, not just my career, but I think it takes a while for people to get to that stage in their life sometimes. Yep. Yeah. And so for, you know, for people, cause there are a lot of people listening, even though you've heard me talk about healthcare and benefits and stuff like that. So carrier Emma's talking about, right. I mean, we just for, simple terms and she didn't work here, but you know, you would think of like a blue cross or a blue shield or uh, even a Kaiser, even though that that's kind of a little bit more complex. So that's the, the, the groups, right. That are insuring our health care. Uh, and I'm using that term very, very loosely. Uh, but, uh, but they're doing that. And so she was there right on that side. Then you went to work for a TPA, which is short for a third party administrator. Uh, and yeah. so as that intermediary, what, what specifically were you doing at that TPA? So, you know, I started out just as, you know, a sales and what did the TPA services. do? What did that TPA so, do? Good question. So the, that this particular TPA was when I came on board, they were family owned. They had a really good mission. They um, did administration services for large self-funded employers to self-fund their, their health insurance um, products. But, um, you know, they, they had kind of stepped out and embraced something called reference-based pricing that I had been working on for a while before that. And they were, um, they were really my platform when I first got there to just be a really great account executive to take care of clients and to walk them through, you know, their pretty standard self-funding health plan. Um, but what was really cool about that particular TPA was that because I think they were family owned because they, you know, they had some really old fashioned values that just don't exist in business very much anymore. They really cared about my contribution and what I was providing to the clients. And so I acted a lot more as a consultant in that role than sometimes the consultants themselves did. And a third party administrator has access to so much data behind the scenes and a consultant is not always keeping an eye on that stuff. Right. And so I started getting into um, writing or, or implementing groups that, that wanted the reference-based pricing model. And I started going down the direct primary care path and helping consultants how to embed the two together. So my role quickly went from sales and account services into sort of like reference-based pricing evangelist, if you will. Um, and then at some point, you know, I outgrew that too. And now here I am. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay, so it sounds like there, and again, like this is a lot of lingo that people don't completely understand, yeah. but you know, we live in a world where all of the employers, the majority of the way that healthcare is, uh, health insurance is provided to people is through their employer. So your employer is buying a health plan, they're then offering it to their employees that then get to opt in. Uh, so one is on the fully insured side, and again, like this is such, you know, short terms, but basically meaning, uh, all of that, uh, uh, they're all being treated the same as everybody else. They're being pooled together in one large, massive insurance pool. Um, they have little little control over their costs and behavior for that matter. Self-funding, uh, they get to break out. They get to make the decisions on their own. They're basically their own insurance company, at least to some level, and then they have other support available. So when you're talking about being a TPA there, you're helping them to to build that plan, to administer that plan, to make sure that costs are in line, to make sure that they're coordinating with the right partners, that their employees are getting a good experience and they're not getting reamed as a result. Yeah, it's yeah, it's essentially a platform to take better control of what usually is fairly uncontrollable, which is the fully insured model that you just talked about. And so it, was that the time when you when you actually started to care about healthcare? Yeah, it really was actually, because I think prior to then, I didn't have access to the same information. But when when you become self-funded, even if you do it with a network, without a network, whatever the case might be, you're paying for your claims that you become the insurance company, like you said. And now you get to see what's coming in and what's going out. And that really changes things because now you're seeing where the problems are and where the hot spots are and and where are the chronic conditions now you can start really developing strategies that work and don't just keep perpetuating the problem so but and being in the tpa space is the only way to really get that information yep yep no absolutely um okay so you're with the tpa and then you decide to really go for it and go independent uh, that was when you stepped into ePowered, right? I mean, that that was that the next transition. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that was just two years ago. Yes, two years ago. Um, I met our CEO, our current CEO, uh, June of 2018, and the, the company was founded in July 2018. What you met him in June. Mm-hmm. And the company was founded in July. And it was so yeah. interesting because um, I, I knew him. So uh, probably, I don't know, six months prior or something like that. We had developed a little bit of a relationship. And as a matter of fact, he and I were transitioning out of one season of life and into the next season of life together. And I remember having a conversation with him, which again, we weren't even really that close at that time. Just for some reason we had connected and on the phone and we were talking and he was telling me about all that he was going through and stepping out onto his own and, you know, going to go independent, which is such a crazy thing to consider, by the way, before we even just get to then you jumping into this pool with him, which like, we live in a, in, a, in a healthcare world that does not reward the small guy. Like they don't advocate for the small guy. And as a matter of fact, the small guy is often the guy that gets squished first because they don't have an affinity to the system and right. the man. And so he was crazy to go start something on his own. Um, but Maybe, maybe you're crazier because you decided to join forces with somebody 
that was that crazy to start something on his own. So you, you left everything that you knew, you left salary and comfort and consistency, and you just said, the hell with it. I'm going to go do this too. And so what were you thinking? Um, I mean, was he just that captivating from day one? No, no, uh, no, not at all. When I first met him, he was super annoying. He, you know, he introduced himself. I kid you not. He introduced himself and spoke about solely about himself for like 25 straight minutes. And I just remember observing this guy just blah, 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 blah. And, and eventually I, I probably said something cocky enough to him to get his attention. But the truth of the matter is that there are not very many people who were doing what he and I were doing. Like I was up on this big platform, like we need to do something different. Here's how it works. Here's where it starts. And I had a very small audience. And meanwhile, on the other side of the country, there's this guy as polarizing as he is, and he is doing the exact same thing. And it was the first time that I had met someone that had the exact same path or at least a vision of a path that I did. And the fact that I could talk to someone about it, someone understood the terms I was using, it, it really gave me hope that it's not just me, I'm not just on my own. And you know, he had built two very successful agencies before he founded ePowered. So I didn't have any doubt in his ability to build a business. And the two of us had such good chemistry, good cop, bad cop kind of thing that we were compelling to prospects. Mm. So it, all the evidence pointed towards it might be a little bit crazy, but most likely this is going to work out. And um, I've honestly, Ryan, I have been a hustler my whole entire life. I am the fortunate product of, of necessary survival. And so I wasn't really worried on it. I just wasn't worried about it not working out. If it didn't work out, I had no doubt that I would find my spot somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So th th this brings up a, a couple of things that come to my mind. And I guess one of the first ones, and these are things that I just blurred out, but so um, you are in business with uh, a, um, a reasonably well-known uh, person in the benefits space. Uh, he's made a good name for himself uh, or a name for himself, mostly good, sometimes not himself. so good. Uh, we love David. We just, we get to pick on him when he's not right on the screen. Um, but okay. So, uh, so he's done a great job of that and his name is kind of on the banner. Right. And, and yet I would say that, um, you, uh, no, no, I like, this isn't even like a, a shot. Like you contribute equally to every bit of the success of that business. And yet you don't get near the notoriety for that. And so um, I see you smiling. So I know you agree with that. And, and I know that's not a bad, like, I know you don't, you're not like pissed off at him for that necessarily, not at least not right in the moment. But, um, but like, how do you deal with that? Because I think that there is a challenge there um, because he just, he has a voice and he's listened to. And so how did you, how have you kind of worked through like, no, like, I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I can do this. Like, I don't, I don't need him to step into this conversation. Like, do you deal with that? Have you had to deal with that? Yeah. I love that you asked this question because I feel it all the time. No one ever brings it up. It's like this unspoken thing. Like we all know that David's the front runner, 
but Emma's involved, right? And and yeah, you're just kind of there, goes, <laughs> right? But I think what people don't realize is that you know operations is a, a it's everything, right? So when David's out there, and and that really is his spot, right? I do some public speaking. I'm not afraid to do that, and I but I've done it on other topics. His spot is right exactly where he is, but mm-hmm. someone has to implement the things that he is saying in some kind of sustainable way. And, and that's where my strengths are. And so I don't need as much spotlight to, to, to bring it over the finish line. That's not where my strengths are. And he and I really do work the, the good cop, bad cop scene. And you'll be surprised to know that sometimes I'm the bad cop and sometimes he's a good one. It really does depend on the client. It depends on the tolerance of the person. It depends on the consultant that we're partnering with, you know, and, and we've had clients say, we love what you do, but we would prefer to work with Emma instead of David. And occasionally it happens the other way around. Sure. But it, we've just, we've found this, this groove that works really well for us. And I think he's, he's exactly where he needs to be and still evolving. Okay. So honesty time. Um, I, I know you've been honest this whole time, but like, so how does that challenge yeah. you going all the way back to childhood and the struggles that you had with self-worth and self-doubt and, and eventually getting to this place where you overcame this huge challenge and you proved yourself. But like, how do you now, like how does that past affect the present day reality that sometimes you're not given the credit that you deserve? Um, that's a really good question. I think I've kind of switched from from one, I, I've become a different person at some point in my life. And I remember feeling very underappreciated at some, some point in my past at a lot of points in my past. And, you know, it, since we're being honest, I'll tell you that David is one of my biggest supporters. He's one of the, the people that encourages me the most. And mm-hmm. if anything, I've become more in the spotlight and more outspoken with his encouragement and a little bit of his sense of protection behind me too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm still very much growing into whatever my role is going to be. And I believe I have purpose. I, I fully truly believe that there's something that I'm supposed to be doing and whether I figured it out yet or not, I am definitely going down that road. Um, but he is largely responsible for the accolades I do get because I don't speak up all the time. I don't, feel this need to be like, look at me, look at me. Cause let's face it. When I was heavy, I was like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. (laughs) So there's like this, this blooming that's been happening and he has been at the root of it. He, he, he really has given me a place. And, And I'll tell you that when I was at that third party administrator, I had a great relationship there. I I loved my job. But one of the things the executives kept really struggling with was where does Emma fit? She's a little bit marketing. She's a little bit sales. She's a little bit account management. She's this evangelist. She's a public speaker. They couldn't nail down a a title for me. And it wasn't until I met David that I realized they're trying to put me in a box that I, that I don't fit into. Mm -hmm. David was the first person that came along and said, you screw all that. Like you need to be whatever it is, but you have purpose and you have drive. And I want to see what this is all about. 
And he kind of gave me that freedom and that safety to, to explore it. So I, I'm still evolving. I feel like I'm still growing every, every single day. And I mess up all the time. Like you've seen me mess up on LinkedIn. Like I've caused some, (laughs) a few arguments here and there, but the difference between he and I, he'll post something and he'll, he just sitting at the computer hitting refresh, like, come on, respond to me. Right. (laughs) I post, I post something controversial and I close my laptop and I'm like, I'm not looking at that for three days because (laughs) you know, some of the, the back and forth and the controversy makes me a little uncomfortable. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's out there, but let somebody else, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's, 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 I'm, I'm growing. I'm learning still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that, um, there is a really good life lesson there. I think there is, uh, a lot of, um, a lot that we can take from that. First of all, on the business side, I think that, you know, in business, um, it's rare to find leaders that work well together. There's, it's rare to find leaders that give one another the permission to be all that they want to be. It's rare to find leaders that uh, aren't competing with each other or that aren't making sure people stay in their places based upon the title that they have. So I think that's super duper important. But then even on the personal side of things, I think it's equally important because um, even in friend circles, even in groups of colleagues, you know, and, and I see this happen in, and it happens everywhere, but like, you know, in the health insurance world, you go to a conference or something and you can just see the people that think they're just a little bit better than everybody else. Uh, and, and that's just not beneficial, you know, that, that, that's doing nothing but harming those other people that really need to learn and grow. And they just need people that are willing to like, give them the room to do that. And so I think it's awesome that I don't think that was him. I think that was you guys. And I think that it's really important to recognize that because you had to be somebody that was willing to trust that and lean into that and be that right. And be willing to make mistakes and be willing to be honest about when you screw up and things like that. So I think that there's a lot that we can learn from that, that people rarely find. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Um, And so where do you see, so you guys have been at, at this for two years now and right. Just about, just about two years now. Um, yeah. so crazy. Um, so where, where do you see you as you move forward professionally? Like I, I, I brought up in the very beginning, you've started this uh, leadership program. And so I know you have some passion there. I'm happy to, to chat about that. Like, where do you see like I don't want to say next, but like, where do you see yourself moving towards? Um, I think I see myself expanding a little bit. I've the, what you're talking about is the empowered community that was built about a year ago. So this came after ePowered, but it was really bred from, um, I was at a conference, you know, an insurance conference last February. So a year ago. And there was, you know, you know, you know, Ryan, cause you're in our industry, but there's all these associations and organizations and like be part of this and this and this. And I had inquired with someone at a table I was at a table full of guys actually. And I said, you know, how do I get into this program? And the response was, 
you need a C in your title and a check big enough to write. And I was so put off. I, and it's like this leadership thing where you, you apparently get to schmooze with other leaders and really take something away from it. And I thought about, it was, it was awful. I was like, uh, okay, I, I didn't realize I had to pay for my accomplishments, but it, it bugged me so much. And then in that same conference, of course, I walked down the hall and there's this women only trek, like women only are allowed in here, which just really got my go. I was like, this is the problem right here is that we are, we're putting ourselves into a position where we're not showing up to, to the cause or to the table for whatever reason we've put ourselves in this position. And I know this is not going to go over well with some people, but it's true. None of us are stepping into our power because we're so afraid of our mistakes that we just kind of conglomerate into these like groups. But there's no chance of us ever growing or becoming better when we do that. So Empowered Community was founded because leadership happens in all the mess ups. You know this, right? Mm -hmm. It's in every single time that you've failed, that you've gotten up, gained some humility, learned something from it and done a better job next time. That is literally the essence of, of getting better. And in the community, I, I highlight that. I ask people, and you, you're one of the mentors, so you know, but I ask people to share, how have you messed up? Because there's so many people that don't even realize the power that they have. And this industry that I work in requires these powerful change agents. And I didn't find my power until I met someone who gave me enough space to mess up and said, don't worry about it. Let's just, come on, let's regroup and do it again and again and again. And I want to give that to other people. So I know I want to stay in the industry. I know ePowered has so much more um, impact to make. We are looking at rolling out a subsidiary agency to help employers do it a little bit slower, which, you know, you know, David is a kind of an all in or all out kind of guy. So <laughs> that'll be my, you know, that'll be my baby. And I just want to keep bringing people to the table because without those people and without them knowing what they're capable of, we can't change anything. We can just keep talking about it. Yeah. So I think I just see myself continuing to put, put me out there as an example of it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be neat. It can be super, super messy and you're still going to be okay. And you can still do stuff that's super, super cool and impactful. Um, and you can mess up along the way too. It's not a big deal. It's nowhere near as big of a deal as we make it out to be. Yeah. Okay, I'm going. I'm going back. I'm hitting rewind okay. because you said two things that struck chords with me. So one is the assholes sitting at the table um, that you know pay money to make themselves look important. Again, like mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Whatever. I I I take serious serious issue with that, and I seem and I I have been involved and am involved because you know I consult businesses. I'm in a lot of different industries. I don't think that I see the type of posturing and like BS uh, that I do in 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 health insurance. Like the way that people like have to show that they're better than everybody else is a freaking joke to me. And I, I really hate to say this, and this is just passing a lot of judgment on people that I probably shouldn't do, but I don't care. It's my podcast. Um, most of them got super duper lucky and they're in the positions that they are because they hit a home run because the Affordable Care Act gave them about a 500% raise over the last 10 years. So 
that's number one. And I could go down that rabbit hole for days, but I'm not gonna. But the other one that you said, and I actually like, this one is driving me more nuts lately. So you talked about this group of women in a room. And um, people have heard me talk about this enough. So you know, like I am a huge advocate for women because I'm married to one because I'm raising two of them, but ultimately, and again, this is my own personal conviction, but I believe that God created two human beings of equal worth, of equal value, but differently in order for them to go live out the roles that he calls them to, but equal, 100%, and so I will fight for that till the day I die. I love to see a lot of what society is doing around trying to, and they're doing an okay job in some areas, terrible in others, but like elevating women to a role or to a place of equality in pay and role and opportunity, all of that. But where I'm starting to find a lot of challenge is, uh, and this is just nationwide, is people are pandering to that cause. And so it's like, how do we get more of the women involved? How do we like, so let's create a, a woman's track or how do we like, let's create, and, and again, this is not to knock women that have won this award, but like, let's create a woman of the year award so we can recognize them too. And I understand that in one sense that is helping to also recognize women, but it's doing so separately. So it's like, like, could you imagine, and this is going to really ruffle feathers, but it's like, you know, there's the best white president that's ever been a president and there's the best black president like no one would say that because like they would be like burned and yet we're doing that and so especially in healthcare i see this happening a lot i i agree with you and here's the problem we allow it we allow it we do we we go to the women's only tracks and and we we put ourselves further into this segregation that we are complaining about and mm. The fact is, I don't need a woman of the year award because I can stand up against any guy I need to in my industry. I have just as much intellect and just as much tenacity and anything else. And for me to to have to go for an award that is specific to my gender, it doesn't make any sense to me. We don't have man of the year awards, I don't think, or at least I don't hear about them. And, you know, I see these, these lineups of, you know, panels, we're going to decide who's the, the winner here. And there's like one woman thrown in. And I'm all, the first thing I think always is we just throw her in because we felt like we had to, or like, what does she have to offer? That's what I want to know. And so empowered community, it started with this idea that you have to pay to be notable and you have to, and both of those things bothered me tremendously. So Empowered is not for women. It is for anybody who mm. feels like they need a bigger platform or a helping hand up. And that could be a young person. You know how hard it is to be young in this industry? Uh, <laughs> like to be a consult, a female consultant in your 30s, you, I mean, you may as well just let the old old guy who golfs for a living go in there instead, right? And, and he just, sucks at that too. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, he's not even a very good consultant. But you know, it's there's there's a lot of ways that we make people we push people back, and it's bullshit. It just it, everybody has something of value to contribute, and sometimes we're just making these assumptions you're not part of this club you don't have this gender whatever and we're we're missing all the talent in the world we're missing all of this future potential because we're not just letting it be universal or diverse right and to your point we don't do this in other areas we don't do it with race because you'd be you'd be 
castrated if you said things like that, but it's okay to pay a woman less or acknowledge her differently is, is pretty infuriating. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's bananas to me. And I'm on that train of like, I, I want to see things change. I want to yeah. see things improve, but I just want to be asking the right questions. You know, like, why is this happening in the first place? Why, you know, instead of like, we're going to make sure that there's three men and three women on the panel to speak. It's like, why, why has it always been dominantly one way or the other? Is it because we're not educating women the same way at the ground level? or we're not bringing and recruiting enough women in, well, then that's where the problem really lies, right? It's not by just like making it look good or by creating a group of people that somehow recognizes women more than others. So I just think that there's a lot of opportunity we have there. And I am all on board to figure out a way to make it happen as best as I can. Um, Agreed. So um, as we're landing the plane, because the plane is coming in for a landing. We can't really, well, I guess we can kind of fly right now, but we can't really fly right now. Um, so um, as you are working in an industry that creates tons of stress, lots of frustration, you're also a parent to two children, uh, young boy, young girl, that creates a lot of stress. That's a lot of fight. And even this kind of connects back to what you said in the beginning. So what are some of the ways that you try to continue to pour into yourself now to make sure that you're staying healthy, that you're happy, and then you can go spread all your wonderful joy with everybody else? Well, I do have a, a somewhat of a, a gym set up in my garage. So that eliminates a lot of my excuses, especially during quarantine, because I really, yeah, I could say I can't go to the gym, but I built one in my garage and it's nothing fancy, but it's right there. And it doesn't give me the opportunity to come up with an excuse. Um, I, I have put time aside every single day to connect with my kids. You know, when this quarantine first happened, it seemed like such a burden to me. It just, just full you know, transparency here. I was like, how am I going to, I have a job to do. How am I going to teach my children? I don't have time for this. And it, it actually took me an embarrassingly uh, long period of time to realize that I am being given the opportunity to sit and teach my kids that it's an opportunity I never get anywhere else. And so on the second week, I put an hour and a half block in my calendar every morning and my staff knows I'm unavailable for this period of time. I will be with my children and we will be going through schoolwork that doesn't even make sense to me. But I'm going to figure <laughs> it out and we're going to do it together because you know, my, my daughter's 14 and she does not want to spend time with me. My son is mine and he does. And so I, I need, I really had to change my, my mm -hmm. perspective on this and come at it from, there's going to be a point where he is 14, 15, 16. He's not going to want to spend this time with me. So I had to be purposeful about that, though, because I felt like I, I already had a responsibility and I couldn't fit more in. But, you know, the wonderful thing about humans is that your capacity is limitless as long as you can get out of your own way and get out of your own head. So I, I do try to be purposeful and I try to spend time with my partner every evening. We, we close up for the day. We try not to take late phone calls and we sit and I drink a glass of wine or we make dinner together or we just do something that gives us the time to breathe. But this is a completely new practice because before this quarantine, I, we didn't do any of that. None of it. Hmm. I think that, you know, uh, I've been saying to a lot of people that 
you know, in the midst of this, and it's hard to not talk about it to some degree, but like, there's going to be so many practices that we adopt that we need to realize we need to keep that, you know, people are looking for like, okay, when we get back to normal or new normal. And, and, and I think that a lot of what we're doing right now, which we feel like is a total shift from our normal way of life needs to be brought into our new way of life. And so I think that that's great that you said that. I think that that's super important. Um, and the last part that I, I want to make sure just to, to reiterate as I am closing out here is you said something that I think is super important and it was your capacity is limitless if you get out of your way and, and I can't remember the last part. What did you say there? Do you remember? I said your capacity is limitless if you can get out of your own way and get out of your own head about and it. And get out of your own head. That I think is money. And I think that that, you have demonstrated that so well as obviously you've told a lot of story that I didn't know about. Obviously a lot of people that are going to listen, didn't know about, but even in the way that I have seen you act and be over the last couple of years of knowing you, it just makes complete sense. That doesn't mean that you don't have bad days or meltdowns or reach capacity or can't get out of your own way. But I, I think that it just shows that, when we really set our heart and our mind to the things that we care most about, we can get them and, and we can accomplish those things and we can push past those difficult and challenging times and just things that are in front of us. So um, I guess all that to say, um, I want to say thank you um, for that. I think that you are a great example uh, that a lot of people need to pay more uh, or closer attention to, not more closer, but just closer attention to. And I think that you have a lot of undo or you have a lot of do um, <laughs> unget or not yet given respect that needs to be coming your way because I just don't think that you get the credit that you deserve. So. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I don't think of it often, but I do feel that sometimes um, there is a lot of power in just biding your time and being quiet. No one has to yell all the time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, some of us are learning that <laughs> a little a little more swiftly than others. But I, I do believe that there is a place for me in this industry to really make a difference. And I appreciate, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being part of the Empowered Community. That's really my passion project and you have been an inspiration for that, whether you know it or not, because you do embody those very things of the vulnerability and the authenticity and not very many people have that level of bravery. It's, it's there's such, such a fear in just being yourself because you're so afraid that you'll just be rejected or, or whatever. And you know, you have a platform and you've been using it for good and it has inspired a lot of my work. And I thank you for being a mentor and for having me on your podcast. Now I can tell everybody that I, I'm done. I'm done. I don't yeah. need any more recognition than this. What more do I need than this? A, a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it, um, it's, it is very, it, it is very fearful. Um, every single day I, I you know, I, I think about all the ways in which I can screw up one person's life. I could screw my own up. Um, I think past experiences have shown me that I'm always one bad decision away from doing that. 
And so, you know, I think that that's part of what drives me to, to want to just do the best that I can. And I think that we all have that opportunity. And I just, I think the unfortunate thing is, is not yeah. enough people have been given the permission to do it. So I think that that's where we go. Yeah. So, well, Emma, you are a champ. You're a superstar. I'm so thankful that we got to spend this time together like this. I can't wait to share this with everybody. Um, so if people want to get connected to you, I'm going to make sure to link some stuff in the show notes. But uh, what are the, what's the best way for people to, to stay in touch with you or to get in touch with you? Probably just LinkedIn. You can find me by looking up Emma Fox. Um, I am pretty active on there. Or, of course, you can go check me out at epowerbenefits.com. Otherwise, I'm pretty open. You, I, I give people my cell phone number. You can contact me anytime, but probably best to start on LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I will make sure to, to pop all those things in the show notes. Um, I will also say, just as we go, that um, if you have heard anything here today, um, I mean, on a, there's a lot of different areas that I think that you could connect with Emma over, but specifically, uh, two things. If you are an employer or a decision maker in an organization uh, around insurance benefits. Um, uh, Emma should be your first phone call. I don't care who you work with. I don't care how good of friends you are with the person that you do business with, how long you've done business with them. I don't get paid to say this, but I absolutely believe that there is nobody better that can serve you so long as you are the right client for them. Um, so uh, that's one thing. The other thing I will say is, because I know there are a lot of people listening on this side of things, if you are an insurance broker uh, and you are sick of dealing with the crap that you've been dealing with for all the years you have working for whatever big firm that you have out there, I suggest that you pick up the phone and call Emma or reach out to Emma and connect with her and start talking about the possibility of one day jumping on that ship because that ship's going to keep sailing long beyond the one that you're on. So, with that, that's my pitch. That's my ask for today. But thank you, Emma. Super duper appreciate you. Can't wait to share this with everybody. Thanks, Ryan. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm open to every bit of feedback you've got. So you name it, you say it. I'm willing to listen to it. Thank you so much for your time, for the opportunity to share with you a little bit more about me, my guests. Until next time, peace. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.